This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. I look out here and I am excited to see you too. This is just fun. Good morning. Have you turned and looked at the people next to you and said hello? Why don't you do that? Whether they're friends or hopefully not foes, just... It is fun to be together, and I am excited to see you. Uh, So I don't know how often you ask yourself the question, why do I go to church? (laughs) Some mornings are harder than others to get out the door. December, that's fun. I had not heard that before. Uh, But I, I believe that most of us, part of why we come here, if you've been coming for a while, part of why you come here, I'm pretty sure, is the people. It just feels good to be with familiar, where everyone knows your name. That's not true. Not everyone knows your name. I have to ask every single week. I'm sorry. I know we've met before. Can you help me? Um, So the people, it's super fun to do corporate worship. Like this is, I don't have a band at home that can help me with my worship time. So I try to worship at home. But this is something unique that I only get on Sundays. But also I would guess most of us, part of why we come here is because we would like hope, help, inspiration. We would like to be blessed by our time together. And I am super excited to be kicking off this series because I believe while we are talking about the blessing, we will be blessed by it. I think that this series speaks to where we live all of the time. At least that is for sure true to me. So I will share some of those stories out of my life that are like, that's just embarrassing. Almost always that ends up happening. But this is where I live. I need this series like I feel like most of the people in my world need it as well. So I hope you are blessed by the blessing. One of my favorite modern thinkers is Brene Brown. Anybody familiar with that name? Yeah. She just thinks in a way that I find incredibly insightful and helpful. And so I'm going to share a quote by Brene Brown this morning to kick off why I think we need this series. So Brene says, you either walk inside your story and you own it, or you stand outside of your story and you hustle for worthiness. I don't even know if you know what she means by story right there, but that last phrase, hustle for worthiness, we know what that means. (laughs) Like, deep down in my bones, there is a weariness that is there because of this hustle. There is the hustle of a good workout. There is a hustle of a soccer game that's kicking my tail. There are all kinds of fun hustles. This hustle for worthiness is just exhausting. It's a drain on me. And I think what she is saying is so true. And the question is, how can we stop the hustle? What can we do to stop the hustle? And I would say, we're going to, this whole series is going to speak to it, but this morning we're going to talk about how great families put their affirmation and their approval on repeat in the lives of kids that then produces an identity that stops this hustle. But the question is, what if you weren't raised in a family that was like that? What if you did not receive that kind of blessing? What do we do about that? How do we, even for those of us that were raised in families that receive that kind of blessing, life just tries to snatch it, doesn't it? 
it just tries to rock our foundation regularly. How can we stop this hustle? I want to read one other quote from a book called The Blessing, which is apropos, of course. No matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass approval on to your children, spouse, and friends. This is vital to your self-esteem and your emotional well-being. If you receive that kind of blessing, then you know this firsthand. If you didn't receive this kind of blessing, then you also know this firsthand. The question is, if you, oh, could I show you one quick, I want to show you a picture of that book. If you resonate with this series, you might consider picking up this book. It's by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And as we go through this series, if this is a topic that you're like, I need more than four weeks on this topic, I want more fuel on this in order to spark this kind of lack of hustle in my life, I'd highly recommend this book. Um, I want to share a quote from this book. Sorry, Jess, that was my bad. Can you go back to that quote? Thank you. Uh, no matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass on your approval to your, thank you, children, spouse, and friends. This is vital to your self-esteem and your emotional well-being. If we took five seconds of silence, do you think that you could come up with something that you wish your parents could say to you today? If we just pause. Do you have something that you think that would be so healing to hear that? It might be an apology. It might be a compliment. It might be um, praise. I would say most of us, whether or not we receive this in childhood, in adulthood, most of us would love to hear our parents' blessing over us, over our lives. So I'd like, since we're going to talk about blessing all the way through, I'd like to define blessing. I am referring to affirmation, approval, belief in us, and encouragement. Would that be, whether you receive it as childhood or not, would that be today so helpful to sit with a parent and hear that phrase? What do you want to hear? Today, I want to show a story out of Jesus's life where God, his father, did that for him. And just talk about how that applies to us. So I'd like to pop to the biography of Jesus that was written by his friend named Matthew and share this story. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I love that. I, I just think that's funny. I so often see interactions with Jesus and think, yeah, I would probably do the same thing. Like, no, no, Jesus. Like, you didn't quite get who Jesus was if you're arguing with him. But I, I just think that's fun. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Boy, I get that sense of unworthiness. I totally get that. But Jesus sh said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Good job, John. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settling on him. That's Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I love that. The tenderness of that moment is so beautiful to me. God peeled back the veil between heaven and earth to demonstrate to Jesus, I see you. I love you. You have my blessing. 
if you don't know Jesus' story very well, you might not know that Jesus has not yet actually done, begun to do his work. At this point, he has lived, been raised, and he is about ready to launch his awesome work. He hasn't accomplished anything yet. I find that so poignant because so many of us, the way that we choose to hustle is by accomplishing more so that we feel that sense of blessing of what we're doing. And I love that God steps down before any kind of hustling can happen and just puts his blessing right on to Jesus. This is my dearly loved son. For the rest of Jesus's work, this concept, this is my son, defined his identity. Here is Jesus who can do miracles. He can do all kinds of stuff. He is literally going to save the world, literally going to save the world. And yet his identity is squarely based on this concept of God saying about him, this is my son. I think there is something there for us. And in case you don't know it, we are actually identified as God's children. I'd like to pop over to Ephesians to just remind you this is God's idea that we are his children. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing, him, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The key point of that verse is the fact that we are adopted. But it might throw you off just a little bit, the whole point about by bringing him through Jesus Christ. So I'd like to pop over to another verse to explain how that works out. But to all who have believed him and accepted him, that's Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So this answers the how. Who has the right to be children of God? We are tempted to believe that people who are super spiritual who managed to sin less than the rest of us. Like We have a little hierarchy of who we believe has a right, that this person actually has more of a right than this person. But in this verse, it's crystal clear. But to who? Could you, do you mind saying that with just a smidgen more confidence? But to who? All who believe in Jesus and accept him and what he had to say. The basic gist, of what Jesus had to say is, I am God's son, and I have come to make a bridge between you and God. That is all it takes to be adopted in, is to actually believe that message, that he is God's son, and he is the bridge to God. They are reborn. The people who believe this are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. Okay, this is thousands of years ago, and I just crack up at that because isn't that how procreation still works? It's like either throw all caution to the wind or like, like get it really specific through passion or plan. I just think that's funny. Thousands of years ago, they had it down to the same system. But a birth that comes from God. So this is how the adoption system happens. It's through Jesus. Now I want to pop back to that verse in Ephesians and tell you how it ends because it's my favorite part. Adoption is important, but my favorite part is this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You guys, he wanted to adopt us before we had done anything to deserve it. Long ago, it was preordained that God wanted you to be his kid. He wants you to be part of his family. You have a right. 
This is your family. And I would just like to call out a lie that I believe most of us believe, and maybe some days we do better than others, but most of us fall for the lie that at one point God loved me dearly. And we can believe that. But then in our moments where we are disappointed in ourselves, we are tempted to believe that the blessing disappears. Aren't we? That in some way, shape, or form, the Bible is crystal clear. God picked us before we could have earned it. He preordained it. But that somehow we might unearn this blessing. But I love this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We talked last week about what it takes to be fully alive. And what I suggested was it wasn't how much you put in. It's how often you plug in. And today, talking about the blessing, I feel like that ties that right back in. If we can find, through those kinds of conversations, when we plug in, if we can find a way to make our identity be, I am God's child. He takes great pleasure in me. It's a game changer. It is a game changer in our day-to-day lives. We can stop hustling, and we can start believing. I had a very funny, well, I thought it was a very funny moment with God a couple of weeks ago. And this is one of those like, ah, dang, you're going to get a peek into how I think, and that might be kind of embarrassing for me. But whatever, you have your own screwy thoughts. <laughs> so a couple of uh, months ago, I met one of my spiritual heroes. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Danielle Strickland, but she is one of my heroes, both in the way that she thinks about God talks about God, and then cares about other human beings. And I got the chance to meet her and spend a couple of days in group setting with her. And that was just really fun to get to actually interact with someone who I have only just read her thoughts or heard her speak. Super fun. Fast forward a couple of months later, and I ran into her at a conference where there were thousands of people. I think there were 8,000 people there. And she ended up being one of the speakers there. It was like, okay, I have to go say hi. But hello, Danielle Strickland travels the entire globe meeting people all of the time. So I am on my way, you know, cutting through the 8,000-person crowd to go give her a hug. I am making my 10-second spiel so that I can remind Danielle Strickland that she knows me and that she loves me, and she wants the hug that I want to give her. So all the way down the stadium seating, I am like, how will I tell her? What I, what, like, what's my most defining feature so she can remember who I am? Like, do we have a share? Like, do we share a joke? Like, how, how am I going to help her? I get down there. I wait in my little line to get to hug her. She finishes with the person in front of me, and she says, Angela Lamb, it is so good to see you, and reaches for my hug. <laughs> so... I I have my tiny little interaction, and we walk away, and I am embarrassed to admit how much that rocked my world. All I could think was, Danielle Strickland knows my name. Like, she knows my name. And I I mean, I went so far as to be like, well, that's, how long will that last? Like, she's going to forget me in six months, I'm sure. Like, it's ridiculous, but she is my hero. So I have that moment, and I, I am ashamed to admit that I am aligning my identity around the fact, I mean, I'm asking myself questions about, am I really that memorable? How do I stand out of the crowd? Well, I dress kind of weird. I'll bet that's how, oh, I figured out I was literally wearing the same outfit as the last time that I saw her. That probably helped. (laughs) 
Anyway, I have, it's embarrassing to admit that I was realigning things based on the fact that Daniel Strickland knows my name. Can you resonate with this story at all about where we build our identity? So then this past week, as I am preparing my thoughts around this, God just got, and I had this hysterical moment where he just, ding, 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 because I was processing Danielle still. Ding, ding, ding. He's like, really? How impressive is it that Danielle Strickland knows your name when I am your dad? Who cares about Danielle Strickland? Dude, I'm your dad, the God of the universe. Like, I know your name. I hang out with you every single day. I have to listen to your ridiculous thoughts about Daniel Strickland, and I still love you. <laughs> like, God is your dad. That is your identity. What can the world do? I love the worship song this morning. Who can stand against this? What a powerful name. That's my dad. That's my dad. That is the God. That is the dad who puts his blessing on my life. I can stand in that. So I have a dream of us walking out this door with our identity squarely in the right place. And I have a dream that as a body, as a group of people, that we could live from that blessing. Not just know it intellectually, but live from that blessing. Not just think about that, but feel it deeply in. I have a dream that we would be the best neighbors on the planet because we know who we are and we know whose we are. I have a dream that it would affect our friendships, that we would dare greatly and take risks in vulnerability to share life with each other because we can afford to risk it because we know who we are and whose we are. I have a dream that we would be the kind of parents that would risk forgiving our kids and not writing a narrative about them, that this is so them with the way that they mess up, because we know whose we are and whose they are, and that we would put our approval and our affection on audible repeat for them, no matter the circumstances that they are in. I have a dream that when you drop your kids off in our next-gen areas, that we would firmly believe, truthfully, one of our new six tenants is words over time develop identity. That you drop your kid off over there and unconditional love is theirs and that we will dare greatly and speak into their lives words of approval and belief. I have a dream. But if I'm honest, there is a truth that affects that dream. And that's how I would like to close out our time today because it's going to take us a while to get to that place. So then the question is, how can this week we take a step of advancement towards that dream? Here it is. This is the obstacle in our way. We cannot give what we have not received. It's hard to dare greatly in our friendships and relationships and take initiative to put yourself out there to develop a new friendship when we don't have this kind of identity, when we haven't received the blessing, when we don't yet believe to our core we are God's kid and dearly loved. We cannot give what we have not received. Again, that that obstacle is pretty big and a little bit hard to, what's the phrase, like how do you eat an elephant? 
one bite at a time, right? So that, this is a little bit like an elephant. Like, how do I get a good identity? <laughs> My counselor can attest to that's years of work we have been working on. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you four ideas of how you might experiment with this this week. Last week, we talked about the idea of plugging in regularly to honest conversations with God. And that is how we can live fully alive. That's also how we build our identity. So the first idea for experimenting with this is wrestle with curiosity, God's approval. I can remember a few years ago when I asked myself for the first time ever, what does God actually think of me? Is he disappointed like I am? Is he embarrassed of my quirks? Does he think I'm too much? That was the first time I was gutsy enough to actually ask what the God of the universe thinks about me. It was even more impactful when I started to ask him, how can you see that thing that I just did to her? I did not act with honor and respect and dignity and love towards her. How can you stand in this moment next to me and be like, I approve of you? You have to be saying, stop it. Like, you have to be saying that because that's what we would be saying. That's what we are saying to ourselves. I would beg you this week, wrestle with it. Just wrestle with it. How can you approve of me knowing everything that you know about me? That's just one way to start experimenting with this idea of receiving what we so want to give our loved ones. I have another idea. We might need to disassociate our dad from our dad. For some of us, our earthly father did not give us this blessing had a very different voice in our life. And it is so hard to not think that God thinks the same things. It's so hard. I mean, that's true of either parent relationship, but dads hold this weight. They hold this weight that we associate with God, our father, as well. So for some of us, that might be the thing that we need to do. Okay, my dad had this narrative about me. God, do you have this narrative about me? And just begin to disassociate the two. If that's something that you resonate with, again, I'm going to point out this book. I think this would be very helpful for helping you through that journey. Thirdly, this is gutsy, but we have all kinds of different risk takers in this room. You might need to, this week to lean into affection and approval on other people. Maybe one of the best ways for you to start receiving it is to give it a shot and see what happens inside of you as you do it, as you dare greatly in this way. It's counterintuitive, but some of the best conversations are out there while you're daring greatly and trying to figure out, what would I feel like if someone said that to me? How would I respond? So that's a gutsy way to do it. I have one last way, and this is probably the most uncomfortable of them all. Well, for me. Practice receiving a compliment. Anybody other than me horrific at this skill? Oi! <laughs> what if this week... What if just one week you said, all I'm going to do when I receive a compliment is say, I receive that. What if you just for one week tried not to overtly deny it? Just say, I receive that. If we want to be the kind of people, and I know you do, who live in the blessing, who can feel our identity is plugged into the right source and out of that can give affection, approval, and blessing to our loved ones and even to strangers. We're going to need to play around with actually agreeing with God when he says, I love you. I approve of you. 
I think you're delightful. I see that thing you're struggling with, and it doesn't change a thing about how I view you. You are mine. I have adopted you, and I'm never letting go. You're my kid. That is how we're going to stop the hustle, is start believing. I'd like to do a little exercise that we're going to close our eyes, so if you don't want to do it, no one will know. It's totally fine. But we're going to do a little exercise that I learned a few years ago that has been super powerful. It's just a way to visualize our prayers. It's called palms up, palms down. And when we are praying, I'm going to pray for us. When we need to receive the thing that I'm saying, we need to take it in. You just put your palms up as though it's coming in. I'll take that. I receive that. But some of us need to let some stuff go. Some stuff needs to actually uh, be excavated in order for the good stuff to come in. So I'm going to do some praying, and I'm going to do some quiet. And during those quiet of palms up or palms down, experiment with letting something seep in or letting something leak out and just be gone. If you're game, let's all close our eyes. But if you're game, let's do palms up, palms down together. I'm going to start with palms down. God, first thing that I feel the need to let go of is this idea of you being too big to be a dad. That when I think of you as God the Father, it is a formal and intimidating thing. So one of the things I need to let go of is this idea of you being too big to be a dad. I want to let go of the idea of you being distant. When I think about you being an all-powerful God who is everywhere in the universe, I can't, I struggle to picture you standing beside me in this moment. I need to let go of the idea of you being distant. I turn my palms down to let go of the idea that you define me by my worst stuff. I need to let go of the idea that I look at my history and I can see most glaringly the things that I have messed up. I need to disassociate that idea from the way that you see me. I need to let go of that narrative. Then I'm going to turn my palms up. And maybe I'm not quite ready to receive your narrative about me, but I'm turning my palms up to symbolically invite a different perspective. I turn my palms up to hear you say daughter or son, child, kid, mine, loved, adored, delighted in. I leave my palms up, and let's leave all of our palms up if you're comfortable with it, to sit in silence and let him say whatever is unique to each of us.
we receive it. One more thing, God. Would you give us the courage this week to dare in some way to receive a different narrative, whether it's leaning into giving affection a different way, whether it's wrestling with you, whether it's trying to receive compliments in a different way, whether it is having the courage to disassociate our narrative about our dad from our narrative of you. God, our palms are up receiving your invitation to any form of step you'd like us to take to just experiment with receiving your blessing. That we could take it in. And even if taking it in means wrestling it down to the ground, it doesn't have to be a passive thing. Pray that you would give us the courage. We receive the courage to dare greatly this week. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that nothing can stand against. We say, amen, let it be. Amen. Thanks for the guts of that. Uh, Speaking of daring greatly, I'm about ready to mortify some seniors in high school. (laughs) Yes, isn't this our favorite game? Um, We want to honor our graduating seniors this morning, and not everybody could be here, but if you are physically in this room, would you please join me on stage? I know that's mortifying, but I love you, and I want to honor you. Yes, Maggie. Good work. Good work. All right. Oh, he's too old. (laughs) I love So fun. Scoot in. We got room. Hi, Liam. Good morning. Yeah. That's the spirit. All right. So, yeah, we're going to mortify you one level more by putting up your baby pictures. We made sure none of them are nudies. (laughs) That's just over the line. Um, so, you guys, you're almost there. You're almost there. Is your character still intact? What character? (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is tough, this, this end. I think we all have glorious visions of grandeur that our senior year will be like, have the time, and we will be, uh, Wrapping it up easily, but I don't think even any of you are wrapping it up easy. I think you're all going out with a bang. Yeah. Hey, we are insanely proud of you. Insanely. I don't know how long that clapping lasted, but that lasted a good long while. What you have accomplished leading to this moment and the feat of strength that you're going to show the last week of school (laughs) is worthy of all of that applause just right there. We are so proud of the tenacity that you've shown. We are so proud of the heart. You guys are a good-hearted crew. We are so proud of who you are, not just what you've done. What we think you've done is pretty impressive, but it's not just what you've done. So we want to honor you on your way out of high school. It's almost over, but we can't be a church family without giving you some wisdom. So we have a couple of wishes for you. One, we wish that you feel our love. Whether you are going abroad, whether you are staying local, 
this is your family. That is how we see you. This is your community. We want you to feel our love, our affection, our approval. We want you to feel our respect. I know that sometimes we struggle to develop at the rate that you're developing, so we might still pat you on the head in ways that are like, seriously, people, I've outgrown that by like long ago. We might ask you patronizing questions at time, but this is a huge milestone that you are going through, and we will endeavor to show you the respect that you are due as our peers as you emerge into adulthood. You have earned that respect, but we will endeavor to make the switch with you so that we can let you adult. We hope that you feel our love. We hope that you can see your own value. You're about ready to embark on a season of independence that will prove to you some of the traits that we can see in seed form in you, but you're going to prove it to you. We pray that you see your value. We pray that you'll develop community, whether that's here and trying to make that transition inside the same community. That can be kind of tricky. Sometimes that's more tricky. Or whether you're going out and you're developing an all-new community. You need community. <laughs> you need it. And in some ways, this next season is some of the hardest, where you need the support and camaraderie of people around you. So we hope for you that you develop community. Obviously, we're a church, so here's the thing. We really hope for you that you continue the conversations of faith. All of you ask insightful questions. All of you question things in really impressive ways. You come at stuff different from the way that we come at things. We hope that you will continue those conversations of faith and that that develops into a personal relationship that goes beyond what we have handed you as a foundation. And then lastly, it seems kind of obvious, we hope you dream stinking big dreams. We have huge dreams for you. Blow ours out of the water. Know your value and go for it. Dream big dreams. We are insanely excited to see what you do. Insanely excited. All right, parents, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm going to ask if you're a parent of one of these graduating seniors, would you come up here? We're going to pray over them together. Are you out there? Did you just? Is this even more daring greatly? Ah! Hey, can you guys step up one? We got to make them fit. Parents, we're all going to pray over your seniors, but inside we're praying for you. Yeah. This transition is significant. Good. Um, I know that, it, whatever, put your hands on. Yeah, sweet. Reach in there, get a hand on a shoulder or something, put an arm around somebody. That's super cute. Okay. We're going to pray. This is solidarity, but I, would you stand in solidarity with these families? This is your community. Parents, you're still here. Lean into this community as you cry your way through the next six months. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. God, these are your kids, and we love what you have done in their design. They are beautiful, intricate, complicated, really impressive, super fun. You did a good job here. So we pray uh, in gratitude for what you've already done, and we pray in huge hope. You have put some serious talent into these people. You have huge dreams. They're going to have obstacles. They are going to have so much fun. 
They, uh, we just cannot wait to see what you do in their lives and see what they do with what you have sown into them. Would you go with them on this next journey? Would you give them the courage to reach out to us when they need it? Would you give us the courage to reach in, whether they look like they want it or not, and just give our a blessing and approval? Would you please walk very closely to these parents as they make this transition? For some of them, it's their first kid making the transition, and for some, it's their last. Would you give us the courage to be insightful on this journey and to show partnership? Would you bless these parents with a sense of your approval of what they have done to set these students up for success? God, we are incredibly grateful that you let us walk this journey with them. Thank you for your handiwork here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.